0: Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. What is up, everybody? Got a good one today. I am joined by country music artist, musician, songwriter, fiddle player, guitar player, all the players, all the things, hunting TV show host. Of Nick's wild ride and uh, and pilot. Maybe we'll get into some aviation stuff today. I don't know. I don't know where we're gonna go. Maybe we'll go somewhere in a plane, Nick. Uh <laughs> Nick, welcome. Nick Hoffman, everybody.
1: Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. God bless Wisconsin. Are you enjoying
0: your time here? I
1: love it. I'm so excited. I'm here for obviously for Deer Opener. So and I haven't I grew up in Minnesota, so I haven't been in the Midwest. In order to, you know, with, with the idea of hunting, like I haven't been in Minnesota or Wisconsin to kill a deer since I was like 16. So this is, this like, is like coming home for me.
0: I was going to say, it's like a homecoming Yeah, a hundred
1: percent. And you know, I'm hunting with really good friends and just doing an episode about the, I'm filming it for the TV show. I'm just doing it just about the ridiculousness that is deer opener here. I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it's It's a rite of passage. It's a, it's a thing. You it, know,
0: it's a, it's a big thing. I mean, you came here, you know, I'm a transplant, but dude, I mean, it's what I love about our gun season. I mean, if you've been to Wisconsin or if, or if you haven't, our gun season is a very long-standing, strong tradition here.
1: And tradition is really the right word. I mean, uh, like the people that I'm going to hunt with, it's four generations of people that are hunting. So you've got a 12 year old girl that's going on for the very first time because here, not like the south here you can't hunt but you know till you're 12 you know you can right you can you can do some stuff but you can't hunt by yourself till you're 12 right is that how it is
0: <laughs> so so yeah they did fairly recently i don't know when like you there isn't a minimum age but you do have to have a mentor with you yeah and then probably like you said either 12 Hunter or 14 safety is at or something. 12 or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah. but Hunter anyway so at 12, so yeah. it's
1: like a 12 year old girl she's going out for her first hunt and then they have the 90 something year old grandpa and then the generations in between and then you know and I, I saw a st- statistic the other day that said that more families get together are reunited for Deer Opener in Wisconsin than they are during Christmas. Chills. And it's like, it's true because, you know, a lot of people, if you think about it, families all have their own stuff going on for Christmas, especially if you got kids. You know, you might go to a different place, but everybody comes home for Deer Opener. I think that's so cool.
0: Dude, that is, that is so cool. I mean... I love basically like starting now, you know, if you drive through the country, clotheslines that generally just have, you know, the regular laundry on the line outside drying, it's just like lined with like blaze orange (laughs) and camo. And it's just like, you're like, oh man, this it's starting. Like we're getting ready for it. I stopped
1: by Mills Fleet Farm, which for, for those of you that aren't, aren't from the, the Midwest, you would, it's like, uh what do you call it? like Walmart for farm and and hunting kind of thing right it's it's hard to explain i mean
0: it's kind of yeah like farm ranch supplies yeah. slash hunting slash everything i love right? it yeah it's great. so
1: but flea farm has this huge hunting clothes selection and it and there's one section and it's nothing but just blaze orange and it's not blaze orange camo it's just solid orange overalls jackets just solid orange you all know the orange all the orange you, and it's just it's not a little bit of it it's thousands of pieces of orange you know this and and it's all just for this one weekend yeah you know yep. what i mean just r- ramping up everybody does it everybody goes out for at least a couple hours you know it's crazy
0: it's super cool yeah it's just uh it's you know the state you know we're uh has a very healthy robust white-tailed deer population right but it's definitely managed for opportunity. I mean, we definitely have our more than our fair of trophy bucks. Yeah, like, it's yeah. actually quite, in some ways, it's like amazing that we manage it so, I guess, heavily for opportunity. Mm-hmm. But we do have the big deer that we do here. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. But man, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. I wouldn't trade it.
1: I think just the tradition, again, it goes. I mean, I, man, when I was growing up, I would have killed to have this kind of tradition in my family. You know, I, Yes, how did you how did you get your start? Well, it's hard for people to you know seeing me on the TV show and stuff like that. It's hard for people to imagine that I you know haven't always hunted. You know what I mean? That I that I didn't come. I but I came by it pretty honestly. I nobody in my family hunted. So my grandpa used to hunt a little bit when he was younger. My dad hunted a little bit in high school, but didn't really care for it. But I was that kid that just from a very early age I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be tracking deer in the woods and looking for squirrels and would look at birds in the binos. I was just obsessed with animals and obsessed with the outdoors. And I spent all my allowance money on Field and Stream magazine and, you know, hunting videos and stuff, but I didn't have anybody to take me hunting. And uh, when I was 12, um, I got my hunter safety certificate and I asked – my neighbor if he'd take me hunting. Jim Zawistowski was his name. Zowie, they called him. He was nice. a, he was a an interesting guy to say the least. And he was, we lived like on a dirt road. And so we had neighbors. The neighbors weren't that close, but our nearest neighbor was Jim Zawistowski. And uh, he always had deer heads on his wall and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. So I asked him to take me out and I'll be damned if Jim kind of gave up his, his uh, early muzzleloader season no and, kidding. and to take me hunting and it changed my life. My my life, as far as I'm concerned, is measured, you know, kind of before and after that moment, you know. And we actually didn't get a deer that weekend, but it it changed everything for me. And it's, uh, you know, so it started there for me, yeah. And and then it just kind of, it went from there into waterfowling was kind of my first my first big love, you know. And then later on, big game hunting, obviously. And then I discovered archery, and that that. That's what broke, broke the water.
0: Sealed, sealed yeah, the deal 100%. big time.
1: When I, when I shot my first deer with a bow, that's when I just fell in love with whitetails. And whitetails first, and then it just went from there. And now here I am running around the world doing all sorts of craziness. And I never would have imagined that. I used to look at like a doll sheep or a, you know, a Marco Polo sheep or even a, a moose or an elk in a magazine. And I'm a poor kid from Minnesota. You know, You know, we didn't have any money. Those things were unattainable they might as well have been me owning the Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And now here I am out there checking off my bucket list like that. So you're just looking at a guy living his wildest dreams, literally. I mean, I'm literally the guy just who has – I've lived the most charm life. I mean, they say do what you love, right? And here I've gotten to have several careers mm-hmm. that all involve what I love.
0: Is that you're just like you're, – you're trying to come up with a name for the show. You're like, man, this has been a wild ride. And you're like <laughs> – Cool, we got it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: actually, you know, I haven't. I don't know if I've told many people this, but the Nick's Wild Ride name actually came from the original idea for the TV show, which was, you know. So, if you haven't seen the TV show for the those of you listening, mine, it's it's a Anthony Bourdain style hunting show kind of. So, I, I'm a huge history not and culture not and people not and if i if i go on a trip if i went on a hunting trip i was always the guy that tried to find the local burger or, or the mm-hmm. the dive bar local dive bar i want to know what made this place tick and so that's kind of where that came from or at least you're watching me just doing what's natural but the the idea for the original tv show was that i was going to get a ride from someone to wherever i was going to hunt and I was, it was going to be like a famous celebrity or- Oh, I was going to say, or, oh, hitchhiking. Yeah. That sounds yeah, super yeah, safe exactly. Nick. Like yeah. really, really <laughs> exactly. Really good choices. So in the pilot of the TV show is Charlie Daniels. And he's actually in episode one as well. So Charlie Daniels gave me a ride on his bus to where I was going hunting. And he dropped me off. So I interviewed Charlie Daniels, played some fiddles with him, did all that stuff. And then he drops me off that was the uh, idea, original idea for the tv show and along the way i'd explore history and food and culture of the place that i was going
0: okay gotcha we
1: figured out really quick that that was an unsustainable model like there was no way that i could find enough celebrities and enough <laughs> people to get to take time out of their busy schedules to film giving me a ride somewhere and all this <laughs> shit. so we we, <laughs> we we abandoned that idea but the nicks wild ride name stuck that's it's, how it's a good name but i don't it know still if I, fits. Re- yeah there you go so, but it is a wild ride. I've lived a fra- crazy life. There is another swear word. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, that. I you know what? I don't even I have a potty mouth. I don't even know. Yeah. I picked <laughs> like, Hey man, can I get a, can I get a ride? <laughs> you know, they're like, Nick, is everything okay? Like, yeah. So
1: yeah, that's how it started. And now here we are seven years later. I never would have seen that coming. I'm a musician. I'm a fiddle player that likes to hunt, you know, and uh, I don't know, maybe that's why it works. Cause I, I'm not tr- out there trying to be. Somebody, I'm not. You know, I'm just doing my thing. No, and I have a. I'm just literally, like I said before, you're just looking at a guy who's just systematically checking off his bucket list list and living his wildest dreams. I'm having a blast.
0: That's super cool, and I mean, it shines. It shines through, and I think it would show up real quick if that wasn't you. I think that's oftentimes oftentimes the case. You know, like like you said, like hunting was this innate thing. Like, luckily. You grew up in a in a rural setting where you could even be exposed to some of those things, or like like you said, go into the woods or go. Oh, that's a deer track, or or um, you know whether you're hunting or not. Like, hey, let's see how close we can get yeah. to that that deer. So it's it's awesome that you're able to do that, and the power of mentorship and somebody taking time out of their personal hunting time, which is very hard mm-hmm. because if you hunt, you know how much you love hunting. And you do want to share those things, but oftentimes you don't get as much time as you even want to do it. Absolutely. So um, I go to these these uh, you know like like an SCI
1: banquet and I'll I'll get up and talk right mm-hmm. and and usually the my my spiel if I get up and talk at one, at one of these things is it's not me preaching but it's my story about about the mentorship thing. It's like this is somebody who changed my life, and I always leave it with a question, and it, I, I think it's a good one, which is. We all sit here and talk about what we need to do. You know, we need to get more kids involved. We need to, you know, get more women involved. We need to get veterans involved. You know, we do, we can we can sit there and talk, but if you ask yourself the question, and I and somebody asked me this question once, and, and I now bring it to other people, it's like if you ask yourself the question, what are you doing to get kids, women, veterans, whatever it might be, involved in the outdoors? If you dig deep, I guarantee you the answer is most likely not enough. It's
0: yeah, like the uh, uh, yep. Uh, and even if
1: you think you're doing a little bit, if you really, really think about what you're actually doing and how much impact you're really making, I bet you the answer is not enough. And it goes for me, it goes for everybody. I still do it. I'm like, God, I, this whole year went by and I said I was going to take two kids hunting and I haven't done it yet, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm,
0: and, mm-hmm. and
1: that's, it, I, I think it's an important reminder, you know, got to, I'm, I'm living proof of a guy that wouldn't be an advocate for the outdoors at all or at least wouldn't be hunting if it wasn't for the, that guy. And then of course there's lots of mentors after that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and there's still mentors like, yeah, you know, just cause I'm out here doing it now doesn't mean I'm, I'm an, I'm far from, uh, far from an expert. Now I've kind of gotten more into long range shooting recently, like everybody else seems to be the fad, right? You know, but I have a guy that's really, really mentoring me in that and mm-hmm. keeping me inspired, calling me up, being like, Hey man, did you read that thing I told you to read? You know, blah, blah, blah. he's keeping me going, keeping me going. And, I can think of off the top of my head, five or six people that have really inspired me over the years, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I think it's like with anything, if, if you're passionate about it, you know, you're probably going to be a student of it. And, you know, I've been a lifelong hunter. Like I grew up in a hunting and fishing family. Yep. Like that's what, that's what we did. Like, yeah. uh, and you're ma- lucky, super fortunate. Yeah. Right. You know, probably the easiest, most natural, most common path sure. into hunting, um, which again, like I was lucky because in the area, like I grew up in like a more of like a suburban setting, like my brother and I and my dad and grandpa, those were the only people that I knew that hunted. Right. So that was like my nucleus of outdoor activity was, was just with the family. But, um, anyway, I forgot where I was going with that. Then, but uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, just
1: talking about mentors, you know, and I think it's so important and man, just, even if you, if you're listening to this, just ask yourself that question and go, what am i doing and if the answer is not enough or you know come up with something i bet you we all know a kid that would just just lose their mind if you just took them out for even just to go shooting mm-hmm. you know just introduce somebody it, it, those little things make a huge difference they do and they still make it for adults too it's not we we talk about kids all the time but man mm-hmm. um, early onset adult hunting thing is is it's really real, and it actually, in a lot of ways, that helps the industry more than anything because these are people that are ready to go out there and spend money. They're ready to go buy tags. They're ready to go do this stuff, and we need those people too.
0: You know? Oh, absolutely! And if you want to talk about like the waterfall effect, right? Like if you're able to get that person to a place where they're comfortable going, where they're comfortable taking their kids going, now you've just built a whole another hunting family. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's just, yeah, that, that's a super special thing. Well, you
1: talk about mentorship, too. Like, it goes back to my, you know, long before the hunting thing, it was music for me,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And as my
1: grandparents, like, it was the opposite of the hunting thing. I had music in my family everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, and if it weren't for my grandparents at a very, very early age, I have no recollection of not playing the fiddle. I've always played the fiddle. And it's because my grandma, at a really early age, somehow recognized that maybe I'd be good at it. Maybe she just wanted me to be a fiddle player. I don't know, but she got me, my grandma and grandpa got me this little fiddle. And they had jam sessions every Saturday night at their house. So every single Saturday, the Hoffman house had music. At my grandparents' house, and you didn't need an invite. Sometimes one person would show up. Sometimes nobody showed up. Sometimes twenty people would show up. It was we like had a jam-
0: weekly deer camp for 100% music
1: jam session every single Saturday. And so, my, some of my earliest memories are falling asleep underneath the the piano bench at my grandma's house. You know, and so these old guys that played fiddle played all these old Norwegian songs. You know, they started teaching me how to play fiddle, and then I started taking lessons later on when I got a little older, but. If it weren't for all those those old men playing fiddle and my grandma and my grandpa, you know, my life would be very, very different. Because that fiddle is what's given me the life I, I live, you know. If it weren't for the fiddle, it's not the singing, it's not the songwriting, it's not the hunting, it's anything. It's that fiddle. I, all roads lead back to that fiddle. It's the greatest gift I've ever gotten.
0: I mean, you, you look know? at literally like a spark, a spark, that early in your life you're talking like like so you don't even remember like age yep. age four ish yep. or whatever literally fundamentally not changing just like put creating me, the direction of your entire me, life it
1: literally it lifted me up and set me on a, a, a pair of train tracks that i never got off of just this is your track and i knew from a really early age i was moving to nashville i knew that i was gonna going to go to Nashville. And I, I, you know, that, especially early on, I was like, uh, I'm 12, 13 years old. I'm in front of the mirror, spinning my bow around like Charlie Daniels and Roy Acuff going, I'm going to be famous. You know what I mean? That's what I want. I want, I want to move to Nashville and set the world on fire. I'm still going back for more matches. I haven't quite (laughs) done that yet, (laughs) but, uh, but uh, yeah, no. So that's, that's it. You know, and I, I knew, and it it was all because of that
0: mentorship. It really was. Did you just pick it up and it was like, you know, Mozart, like, oh, I can play it or, but was it just like obvious that you had a talent for it? I, I think, my,
1: I think so. My, I think my grandma told me really early on that she saw something in me that I could hold a pitch, like I could sing, that she would be able to play, play a pitch on the piano and I could sing it back. Okay. I really, really early on. I think that's why she recognized some sort of aptitude. Mm-hmm. And then, but I, I mean, I can't read a note on the on the fiddle, I, I I don't know how to read notes. I play all by ear, and that's that's a testament to the fact that I, yeah, I think I picked it up pretty early, and I had a, I had a, just a knack for it, a natural knack for it because you can't really play by ear like that without having a natural kind of ability. But it was the lessons and the mentors I had later on that really made me a good player. Okay. So you know, it's like I can teach you to shoot a gun at the range today in an hour, right? And you'll be hitting targets just mm-hmm. like you could, but to be a great shooter takes, you know, a lifetime of mastery, right? And, right? and it's it's not it's not much different. You know, it just it takes so the the talent's there, yeah, but it's it's cultivating musicianship is a whole is a whole another thing than than cultivating, you know, just just being naturally talented and it's no different than hunting. Some people are just natural born killers. Yep. Some people just have it in them. They 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 know but being a hunter and learning that craft takes a lifetime. Yep. You, know?
0: you told you brought me back to the point that I was going to try and make earlier about like mentorship and hunting and things that you're passionate about. Like I still, you know, it's like I've been fortunate. I've hunted a lot. I spend a lot of time hunting. I think when I find success, it's really just a matter. It's actually a, the time that I put in yeah. is like, <laughs> it's not necessarily the skill. It's just like a law of averages of putting enough time in. But Dude, constantly consuming like hunting podcasts from Absolutely. people who I respect, like Remy Warren and and people like that, and I'm like, because because like you said, you're you're always a student. Yep. You know, every time like I I hunted a bunch this fall and like I learned an immense amount of things. Like you're never you're never done. That's for sure.
1: Th- there's no doubt about it. And that that goes for everything that I've ever. Um, I tend to be pretty obsessive about my hobbies, right? So I've got mm-hmm. hunting. I've got music. I've got aviation like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like beer. So, you know, I'm an expert, a beer expert. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, all those things are have been lifelong pursuits for me. And I feel like I'm just now starting to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, it, and, and that's because I'm constantly reminded that by people that I meet that are better at mm-hmm. it. Like, just when you think you're good, you meet somebody, you're like, dude, I know nothing. Right. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. Because it's you can either be intimidated by that or embrace that. You know what I mean? And, and I think the best thing you can do for any hobby is just lose the intimidation factor. You're never going to be the best ever. And there will always be somebody better. So man, just embrace that. If you see somebody is better, figure out what they're doing, copy them. Right. Paul McCartney. I just heard him talking on Howard Stern the other day. He was talking about, he's like, you know, arguably the greatest songwriter to ever live. You know what I mean? There's and he's going, man. I'm still stealing ideas from people. Right. He goes, I listen to I and he goes, everything I've ever done, all we do, nothing, everything's already out there. You're just stealing ideas from people. Oh, you know? it's been done. And you and you rehashing them and, and remolding them, that's fine. But you know, here's Paul McCartney, 80 some years old, is going, yeah, I'm still I'm still ripping people off.
0: <laughs> you know, I love that. <laughs> you know, oh, that's you know that was totally somebody else's. Actually, no, I physically stole that. I saw he had it written <coughs> down. It looked nice. uh <laughs> what like so I mean like you're definitely very talented very accomplished uh in in the music space um like what types of things are you still learning like has there like
1: musically yeah man I think the thing is is it's like anything at this point it's refinement okay right so it's like it's the little things that make the hugest difference now it's you know I've got the broad strokes down when it comes to playing my instruments and singing you know I know what I'm doing I've Played my whole life. i played, you know, I've done a lot of cool stuff. It's the little things. You know, It's I watch the nuances in, like I'll, I'll turn on, the other night I, I was at a buddy's house here in Wisconsin and we watched um, an Eagles concert DVD. Oh, no way. And yeah. I was watching Joe Walsh, you know, just playing guitar with such taste. And, and what I noticed is I, I was like, what is it about this that I'm liking so much? So I started really paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. He talks he plays in sentences. He 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 he'll play a note and leave space. Play a note, leave space. And I thought back to something that an old old guy told me when I was in a band when, playing in a VFW when I was like 12. And it clicked what he was saying way back then it never really made sense to me till the other day. He said, "Nick, you need to learn to listen more than you play." And I didn't understand what that meant. Yeah. And he said, "Do you know what I mean?" I said, "I think so." He goes, Someday you will. And that's all he said. I thought I understood what he meant, but now it's kind of clicking like it's just like uh, you know, as you get older you realize that maybe you should just shut up every once in a while. You know, you know, and I trust me, I've had problems with that. I'll I'll blah blah <laughs> blah, blah 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 blah. And the older I get, well, the more. Well you, you
0: might have two guilty parties here right now.
1: <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like but that's what that is. It's like tastefulness comes from space. Mm hmm. I mean, name like it's like the Dosakis guy. You know what I mean? Sitting yeah. over there, just being cool. Yeah, Joe Walsh is the ultimate of cool, right? Well, part of it is he's just sitting back, and you know he figured that out. I guarantee you, he played every note he used to play that he knew back in the day. You know what I mean? But now he's tasteful. I don't know. That was a long drawn out answer to say. I think. I think life. My. I think life is about refinement. Mm-hmm. I do. I as I get older, I think that it, for hunting, it's like I heard. Jackie Bushman, of all people, say something when I was younger. I remember too. Uh, you know, what's the secret to hunting? Says, sit down and shut up. Fair enough. Yeah, don't move. Just sit down, shut up. Don't make any noise. You probably kill a deer. That's pretty much the same thing I'm saying. I didn't. uh, Yeah. Give it
0: space. I didn't know we were going to give pro tips just yet, but (laughs) that's a good one.
1: Well, it's not my tip. That's Jackie Bushman's tip.
0: But it's interesting to hear you, you know, you're talking about refinement and then also like, you know, like playing in sentences and giving it space. And like, for whatever reason, it drew the picture in my mind of having like a nice glass of wine Mm -hmm. and like you could just like pound that glass of wine and take it to the head, Mm -hmm. or you could take a sip and finish it. That's right. And enjoy it. And then have another. You can have another sip.
1: Absolutely. You ever heard the joke about the old bull and the young bull? I don't think so. No, yeah, I can't tell it here. But okay. It's, it's be, that uh, joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. Experience. Slow down. Go down there. Do your thing. Refinement. That's that's the key. That's what I'm after nowadays. You I know like what it. I mean? I'm by far. I'm far from a f- refined person, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I never will be probably. But I'm after refinement. You know what I mean? In the things I do anyway. You know, it's like I want to be a I want to be a methodical, refined hunter. I want to be a methodical, refined singer and and player. And I think when you think in terms of that, when you give yourself that space, you can do something truly profound. Mm -hmm. You can do cool stuff. But when you're just going after it, you know, if you're you're speed bagging it the whole time, there's no finesse, right? Right. But if you can sit back and wait for your punch.
0: Like you you said, I mean, that's when you're really like, you can do a lot of things, but those, when you're doing it in that manner, like that's, That's when you hone the craft and like, you know, whether it's writing, Mm -hmm. like you could write a sentence and be like, oh, yep, I can remove that. And I don't need that, but Uh I can tighten this here. Or, um, you know, I see a lot of the guys here that are into like competitive shooting. And those guys are refining every little aspect of of movement and every movement is so deliberate and purposeful and they've removed all the clutter and they yep. work on their footwork and their reloads and like everything is so amazingly fluid That's right. um, that again, it makes it, it it
1: makes it look easy and you're like oh those guys are so good the reason they're good is because they've spent countless hours working on those little things is what you're saying yep exactly i couldn't agree more and i mean it's the reason that i'm a decent bow shot but i'm not a great bow shot it's because i don't spend the time mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh, you know, I I have too many hobbies. I, I was can't. gonna say, do you think it's because you're maybe a little busy? <laughs> <laughs> I but the, you know what? It drives me nuts to not be that great bow shop. It drives me crazy, <sighs> and that is like the kind of maybe that's the way I, I is the way I'm wired, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. You know what I mean? I'm so busy and so busy-brained, and I'm bit, literally and and you know figuratively busy that I am definitely a jack of many trades and a master of maybe one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's probably the fiddle. Yeah. Like if, you know, I'm I'm a pretty damn good fiddle player. But other than that, I, I've just spread my, I spread myself awfully thin and it drives me nuts to not be an expert at X, Y, and Z. But that's also why in my show, I, you will never hear me give a pro tip. Right. You will never hear, because I'm Other than like, sit down and shut up. Yeah, yeah, which was exactly. somebody else's. That was somebody else's. But it's like, You'll never hear me do that. There's there's enough of those experts out there. Mm-hmm. Guys I really look up to and women that I really look up to. It's not my job. My job is to entertain you. My job's to sh- to ha- have you live vicariously through me while I go and do all this amazing cool stuff that is literally just a guy checking off his bucket list. That's what I see as my role in the outdoor space is 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 not being the expert. Just I'd rather I'd much rather you look at me as the guy you want to have a beer with than than to to look to me for expert
0: tips you know what I mean for sure but I mean I think there's a lot of relatability that comes with that right and it's a double-edged sword right like well number one you can only be a true expert and probably one thing that's right actually but I think you're probably a lot like me in that like a high level of curiosity mm-hmm. and also wanting to see new places hunt new places absolutely I don't hunt very much at all internationally, but like you go to Wisconsin, that's going to be a different hunting culture than oh, Alaska, than Colorado, whatever. The landscapes are different. And I don't like, I think the, the world is so big, you know, it's like, you could probably be an amazing, amazing whitetail hunter. I know you could be actually, because you put the type of effort you do into all the things that you're doing. It's just a lot of things.
1: And that's exactly right. And I think that, man, I, I hear people all a, all the time. I'll meet someone, and they'll be like, you know, gosh, I'll never have the adventures you have, you know. Because well, why is that? Well, because I don't get the opportunity to go to Kurdistan, or I don't get to go to do these international things. And again, that's that's kind of my job is to bring you on those adventures. But man, there is so much opportunity right here, just in the five state area around your your state. You mm-hmm. could never exhaust the variety of places that you can find to hunt just in the five states around you hundred percent and it's like you'll never exhaust those those opportunities the the the, whoa this is a cool new place and you know i've never hunted a oak flat like this and this is total i gotta hunt totally different here those things they're out there the Mm -hmm. problem is that most people they just they're either scared to or just don't even realize the kind of opportunity they have around them you know they have the blinders on they're so focused on and i tell people that it's like you don't have to go to Kurdistan to have variety in your hunting. No. You know, if you've got a truck and an extra $100, you can do some really cool stuff, you know, and
0: within four or five hours of your house. Yeah. that that will be
1: like hunting on Mars
0: compared to where you're at now. It's, I love that hundred percent. And we, you know, we've talked, we've talked about this before on the podcast and just internally. And, you know, you and Sawyer and I were talking about Sawyer's and, and mine, we have two um, different uh, separate, but you know, essentially boat based white tail hunting debacle trips yeah. that we went on in state. And, you know, we always talk about like from an adventure side, it's closer than you think it can be in your backyard and hunting is what you make it. So, You know, if you if you want to, uh, if you have like access to like your back Mm forty, and you're just like, and that's what you want to go hunt, and but maybe maybe you're seeking something different. It's out there. It's out there so close. In fact, you talk about the boat thing. I you you brought up a an interesting
1: uh, story that I can tell really quick about changing it up in your backyard, basically. Okay, cool. So I've got I live just north of Nashville, Mm -hmm. and there's a lake there called Old Hickory Lake that is we duck hunt out there sometimes and the only re- we we go out and we sit for ducks we, we if we kill two ducks out there we we're, we're just ecstatic it's a big deal mm-hmm. it's not very good duck hunting but i've hunted all around that little area by my house it's close to old hickory and i was bored with it and one day my buddy says you have a duck boat don't you i said yeah he goes man there's this island in the <laughs> middle of old hickory and to my knowledge nobody hunts it and i said can we do that is that like legal i didn't even know like yes he said yeah 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 so we load up in my boat and we go pull up onto this island and i tie my boat off and we get out and the island's probably 20 acres oh my god it's not that big it's wow. small and uh, we get we bring climbers and we get up and i didn't see any deer that day but on the other end of the island my buddy comes back and it was like he had seen a ghost he saw a fully black deer have you ever heard about that a color phase? Yeah, all yeah. black. He saw what he swears is a jet black deer, wild, and he lost his mind. I mean, like he he went back there the entire season the, trying to trying to never saw that deer again. But it was like it changed his entire thing. And all and all, it did all we did was just change it up. And he yeah. went and saw like something that it was like a ghost, like seeing Bigfoot. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I think that's so cool. It's like so easy. And all you had to do is just think outside the box a little bit, put a little bit of work in. Yeah, you know. And, yeah. And man. and I didn't I didn't see anything out of it, but we still have the story about the time he saw the black deer. Right. You know. So it's fun.
0: Exactly, and it's like it's new experiences, and generally when you do anything new or a little bit adventurous, or there's you know, yes, more more substance to you know. However, you have to whether it's the travel or or the trek through. Yeah. You know whatever you end up with some good stories along Absolutely. At, at the end of the day, at least you get some good stories out of it.
1: Yeah. And I think again, it just goes back to, you just got to think outside the box a little bit, but there's so much adventure out there. And that was the point is like, and there's so many cool places to hunt and there's so many cool places to explore. And for me, hunting's so, about so much more than getting out there and killing. It's about these places that you can go see these people. You can go meet the local dive bar when you get done. Like ah, that's to me, I attach those memories just as, as firmly to a hunt as I do a pair of antlers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really do.
0: Yeah. And know, that
1: sounds cheesy, but it's super true
0: dude, for me. It's it's so true. And I've used, pretty much said this my whole life, because I, I read this. Again, this is taken from an excerpt from a hunting article that I read as a kid. But a, a gentleman, I don't remember who the writer was, he qu- he talked about hunting as a sentence. Yeah. And he, and he said the kill is just the period at the end of the sentence. He's like, it's I ne- love that. It's necessary to make it complete. But the hunt is the sentence.
1: Man, I've never heard it put like that. I love that.
0: Dude, it's I'm stealing that, by the way. Please do. Like, (laughs) I I read that, and I was like, like I said, it stuck with me to this day. I was probably like 15 when I read that. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, man, that's like, I like that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, that, and that's very true. And that is, especially when you go on these international hunts like like I've done, that's what those hunts are. Mm -hmm. Those are giant, they're paragraphs with a period at the end. Right. And I love that. Yeah. You know, you look through my phone- on a, one of those hunts, and it's just, it's hundreds of pictures and then a couple of kill photos at the end. Yeah. That's the that's the period. Yeah. But all those hundreds of photos from the things I saw and the people I met, that's, to me, what it's all about. Yeah. And I think it's important for people, if you love hunting, go try something different. Mm-hmm. You know, if, because most most of us, you know, like, openers coming, right? Like, most people are going to get out for two weekends a year in their full blaze, blaze orange and never hunt hunt anything else for the rest of the year that's fine. But man, I, I just challenge those people, go out and try something different. Cause it'll, it'll open up a whole
0: nother chapter for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I love it. Well, you know, uh, I mean, now we're just kind of getting into story time, but you know, uh, you know, Mike Scobie, mm-hmm. good long time friend yep. of mine. I knew Mike back from when I lived in my Washington days and then he moved to Nebraska. Do you take pills for that or? Uh, I saw some things. Uh <laughs> some,
1: me too. Some things you can't can't, can't forget. Can't hunt
0: see no. Uh dude like he he was definitely a, a mentor of mine, took mm-hmm. me under his wing, taught me a lot about hunting and fishing, and and took time out for me. And so we ended up I moved uh we lived together in Nebraska for like a year. Yeah. And uh you know he is not a person to sit still. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> no. And so I mean like When I first moved there, he'd be like, oh, we should do this, do this. I mean, we were like, you know, hunt coyotes in the morning and then do this during the afternoon. And then, you know, on the way home from work, we'd, oh, let's go check out this dirt road and that. So, (laughs) but we'd, you know, he's like, hey, I can borrow this. this john boat from this guy, which was like this rickety john boat, you know, probably was laying in the dude's yard. And like, we'd go, he's like, we should go drift the North Platte for Like, I think we had like, like one oar, you know, and a john boat. <laughs> and an
1: hour of daylight.
0: Right. Yeah, And, uh, you know, so we'd, we'd go drift river and, and hunt ducks. <laughs> and of course, like where we had to get to the river. Like I, I had an old, I still have it. It's back in Washington, a 79 international scout. Oh, cool. So we tied that to, you know, the hitch on the bumper and had to Baja over, you know, drag the, <laughs> we didn't have a boat trailer, of course, you know, so we're like baja this boat, like over land, get it in the water and like, you know, drifting the river, like, yeah. I don't know, where are we going? The river's like, you know, braiding and yeah. trying to figure out the pull out with like old school GPSs. Yeah. But it was awesome. Like you talk about it, like, like we probably shot like three ducks and like five times of doing right. it, but it was the best. That's, you know? that's what
1: it's about. I love it. I've got a thousand stories that, that involve the rickety situation versus,
0: versus the actual killing. It's like, it's not what it's about. I love it. I mean, you want to be safe. You want to be safe. You want to get home safe, everybody. (laughs) But, um, so, uh, getting back to music, I'm sure we'll go a million different places today, but you're playing the fiddle. Yeah. You're like seven and like, well, I guess I'll move to Nashville. (laughs) Uh, what's, what's going on there? What, what did that path look like then for you?
1: Moving to Nashville
0: or, uh, yeah. Or like, yeah. Or your path to even moving to Nashville. Yeah. Uh,
1: I was really lucky that I had such supportive grandparents. Took me all over, and uh, you know, I was playing in fiddle contests when I was a, l- a little kid, and and I was doing pretty well at them. And 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 then I, you know, you make forty bucks, and I'm like, I can make a little money doing this. And yeah. then and then I, when I was t- t- eleven or twelve years old, I started getting some gigs like with bands. You know, there's another forty, fifty dollars they give you. You know, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I'm actually making a little money. You know, and then I started. Doing gigs on my own. Were you own. playing
0: with, like, people, like, much older than you? Yeah.
1: It started off with in bands with guys. Like, I was telling you that story about that guy at the VFW that said, you know, you got to le- learn to listen more than you play. That okay, was right. Like, that was, like, when I was, like, 12 years old. You know, I was playing in bands. Because there, there aren't a lot of fiddle players out there. You know, you know fiddle players are kind of like steel guitar players. They're few and far between. So Okay. If you if you hear, you know, of a good fiddle player, a country band wants you. You know what I mean? So, like, I started getting asked to play in these bands in bars that i wasn't even old enough to be in so i'd 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 play especially in the middle of winter it sucked i'd play on stage and then i have to go wait outside in between sets you know oh yeah 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 so i figured you're in there getting an early education yeah i did that too (laughs) so the uh i would do that and then so i started getting a taste for the idea that this is something that not only i feel really cool doing and you know and i'm you know getting some attention from girls when I got a little older and all that stuff, but also that I could make some money at. And I treated it like a business from a really early age. So when I was about 15 or so, I started a bluegrass band with, with a bunch of other kids. And we got really popular really fast because we were pretty good, actually. We had a good band. Mm-hmm. And um, I treated it like a business. You know, we, I had a balance sheet and a checking account and all this stuff. And I was making pretty decent money, you know, as a as a kid, 15, 16, and 17 years old. And – it was, we were getting really busy. We were getting booked three, four, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, almost every week. And I started missing some school and I was still getting really good grades, but I, and I was getting my homework from my teachers, but I was missing days. And Mm -hmm. so I had kept my grades up, you know, but I was missing days. And I got called into the principal's office one day when I was like, I guess, 16, barely 17. And, uh, I'll never forget the principal's name was Dr. Dean Souter. And he had a doctorate in physical education and made us all call him doctor. You okay. know, that kind of thing. He was that kind of guy. And uh, Dr. Dean Suter called me into his office one day and uh, he said, Nick, you're, uh, you're going to have to repeat your junior year of high school because you've missed too many days. And I said, but, you know, hold on a second. I, I, I've, I've got straight A's. I've been doing all my homework. And, yes, I've missed those days, but here's why I've missed those days. I'm going to be a musician. That's what I'm going to do with my life. And I'm running a business and I've got a band and I'm out there playing and I'm honing my craft and I'm gonna move to Nashville someday and that's what I'm doing. Talk about education. Yeah, and he yeah, exactly. And he but he said he looked me straight in the eye, I'll never forget it. He said, Nick, you need to give up on that dream right now. You're never gonna amount to anything as a musician. And I said, Well, <laughs> sir, respectfully I disagree with you, you know. And I said, But that's why I miss those days. And he said, Doesn't matter. You're gonna repeat your junior year, sorry. And I had I was devastated because that also, that also meant that I was ineligible for any ex- extracurricular activity. So that meant I was in band and choir. I couldn't do that anymore. I played baseball. Couldn't do that anymore. And it, 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 he took everything that I loved because I I I wanted to move. I had just gone down to Branson, Missouri, with my grandparents at that sp- for spring break a couple weeks before that, and I saw. I was like, man, I could be doing this down there. Yeah, I could be. Down there, you know, making a living doing this. That was a couple of weeks before this happened. And I remember thinking, I can't spin my wheels any longer. I want to get started with my music career. I was just dumb enough to think, you know, that that was. And I can't imagine staying in high school another, uh, an extra year. So I got home, told my dad about it. And my dad said, you know, rules are rules. You broke the rules, you know. Wow. And and I was a little disappointed in him, honestly, because he he kind of, it, it made me feel like I wasn't very supported, and I don't think that was his intention. I think that's just the way he, he, he looked at it.
0: Like, like pretty black and white. Pretty,
1: pretty black and white. And so I laid in bed that night, and I thought, man, I can't spin my wheels like this. So I grabbed my guitar and a backpack, and I threw some clothes in there. And I had 60 bucks in cash, and I had my grandpa's uh, credit card that he had given me to get gas in, in his truck. It was, it was, that's why I had the, the, his credit card in my wallet. And I went to the bus station. And I bought, with his credit card, I bought a Greyhound bus ticket and I sent him his credit card back and I had 60 bucks in my pocket and I went to Branson, it's 17 years old, 16 years old. I ran away from home at like two in the morning. And, Unbelievable. And, and I just, that's, I just wanted to get my life started. And I was just young and dumb enough to think that 60 bucks was enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, to hold I, me. and, I, and I got down in the, you know, the long story after that is I, 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 I played for tips down there for a while, and then I ended up getting a gig in a show that Dolly Parton has. And I rode horses. I actually rode ostriches in the in the show down. There. It's a whole Naturally. another story, you know. And uh, and then that while I was in Branson, I met a guy whose name was Wyatt Beard, and he played. I met him in a uh, another show he played in, and I remember he moved to Nashville while I was still there to play for this guy named Kenny Chesney, who at the time had just gotten a record deal. So fast forward a couple of years, I moved to Nashville, and Wyatt is one of the only guys I know. And I got connected with Wyatt through an, another mentor of mine, and, and I ended up talking to another guy in his band. That's a whole other story. But Wyatt's one of the only guys I knew. And if I hadn't moved to Nashville, when I moved to, to there to Nashville, I looked those guys up, and they said, you know, it's crazy, we just fired our fiddle player, and uh, would you be interested in auditioning for the Chesney gig? And at that time, Kenny was playing in like clubs for, you know, a couple thousand people. You know, my mm-hmm. first gig with him was a club for five or six hundred people. It was crazy to think about. And uh, I wasn't really that interested in being on the road with an with an, another artist. I wanted to do my own thing, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was a paycheck, and I was on a tour bus, and that was a good way to get myself my foot in the door. So I said, yeah, and I auditioned, and they hired me. And uh, that first gig was in a club for like five or six hundred people in Atlanta. And within a couple of years, we were playing Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, for sixty thousand. And it just and there, all of a sudden, if I hadn't ran away from home to Branson, I would have never gotten that gig. And that's how that's how my to answer your question, that's how my my train to Nashville started.
0: Timing. So timing is timing. a pretty crazy thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, timing,
1: and also you know, I, I've I've said this a lot to other people too. You know, if you have something that you want that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Luck is a huge part of it. there's no doubt. Timing's a huge part of it, but you better be willing to hit a home run when you're when your pitch comes. yep and And it might be a softball, it might be a, a underhand softball pitch, and you know that's luck. An underhand softball pitch might come to you, and you got time to look at it, but you better swing and you better hit it, and you better be ready and have the skills and be you know and I did i i I prepared for that moment my whole life pretty much. I was ready for that moment, you know. And that looking back though, man, I was greener than green. And I can't believe those guys hired me and I can't believe they kept me on on board cuz I sucked. Like looking looking back, I was I was green as can be and I wasn't very good. But I was good enough for that, I guess. But man, I wouldn't have hired me back then. I was arrogant and cocky and I wasn't as good of a player as I am now and all these things, but I think they saw a young kid that was hungry and driven. And if I was hiring somebody I'll hired for drive and, you know, and, and talent versus skills and arrogance, that kind of thing. You know, I think they saw that in me.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think, you know, and you, you talk about, I mentioned timing, you know, and you, you, you mentioned, you know, hitting a home run, but that timing doesn't work. Like you took a hell of a cut when you jammed out at age 17 with 60 bucks in your pocket. And you're like, oh, just dumb enough? I don't know, man. Like a lot of people aren't making that move. That's not a safe move. That's not a comfortable move at all.
1: Yeah, maybe so. You know, at the, the I can tell you this at the time. There was zero question in my head about it. Like it's funny. The I look back at it now. I think there was a little bit youthful naivete in it too. But that's that's how you make those bold moves is you just don't know any better. Yeah. You know, and it's like I I was so confident that I could go down there and do it. That I didn't think anything of it, yeah. and you know, I'm grateful for that. Whatever that youthful arrogance was, I'm grateful for it because it put me where I am now. And it started with that that gift that my grandparents gave me the fiddle. It was built with a great foundation of good raisin. I have good parents, great grandparents. Then that led me to having the confidence to go and move to Na- to Branson, and then when I moved to Nashville, it takes people believing in you too. I mean. Wyatt Beard and Sean Paddock, the the two guys from that that band, and Kenny Chesney, they be, they they saw something and they believed in me and put up with a lot of sh**. You know what I mean? They put up with a kid that maybe wasn't as good as he could have been, but they saw something and believed in me. And I'll never, I'm forever grateful to those guys for that, because they changed my life. I mean, I lived, I have lived out every musician's wildest dreams because it because of those guys. Man. You know what I mean? That is super so.
0: cool. You know what, though? I mean, this is going to sound like hopefully not super cheesy, but I mean, it did start with believing in yourself, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Which, you know, going back to earlier in your story there, like, dude, I was getting like emotional thinking about like hearing, hearing you talked about that interaction with your principal. I'm like, dude, talk about the person who is in charge yeah. of encouraging and making sure that kids flourish. Yeah. You know, but like, no, you didn't check this box. Yeah. But look at all these other box I mean like
1: And it was uh, I because mean, I was a creative. I he was the kind of guy that that liked football players and hated creatives, you know, that kind of thing. I think he was. And you know I it's funny, I'll tell you a quick quick side note to that. So fast forward now, the other part of that story that my music life and story is that so yeah, now I'm ten years into playing with Chesney and and we're playing for football stadiums full of people. He's one of the number one selling acts in the world. I mean, like we're just on top of the world. Just on fire. But, but the one thing that I hadn't, and we played on Leno and Letterman and all the stuff. We've done everything. The only thing that I hadn't done is had my own song on the radio, and that's really what I moved to town for, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was really lucky that I managed to get a record deal on Warner Brothers with my band, the Farm, and we had a couple songs on the radio, that did well, and that's the dream: write a song, have it on the radio have it be a big hit. It was, you know, that's the dream. So when our first album came out on Warner Brothers, I wrote some liner notes and I wrote to Dr. Dean Suter, <laughs> thank you for telling me that I would never amount to anything as a musician because I've spent my entire life trying to prove you wrong. You yeah, know? And sometimes you need that. Sometimes yeah. you need it. Was, to me, I, I've heard people talk about how like CEOs, like great inspirational books talk about how you you've never, you won't, Really get where you need to go or get inspired till you've failed or been fired.
0: You know, sure. you'll hear about people say yeah.
1: that. I think that was I I experienced that early on because of him. And that failure, that that um that getting fired by my principal in a way, is what I think it lit a fire under my ass. Oh yeah. And it, it like and it's still going. You know what I mean? It is one of those things
0: where you're like, man, like it sounds like, like when I was listening, I'm like, this is like one of the most horrible things I've ever heard. (laughs) Like, like, you know, and, and for some people that might, that might really actually truly squash somebody in that, in that moment. And luckily you were strong enough to overcome that and let it be like, you know, kind of like a F me. Well, no, actually F you, you know,
1: (laughs) you know, and, and I sent him a letter. um, I haven't told many people this. I sent him a letter and a copy of that record when I, uh, he had since retired. And I actually called the school and I told and I spoke to the who's now the principal, who was the assistant principal at the time. And I told him what I was doing. And he said, yeah, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you, you know. <laughs> so he gave me he gave me his address uh, it would, uh, and I sent him a letter and the CD. I never heard from him. He didn't write you back. Nope. You should go play your high school. I'm going to this year. No way. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to actually play in Anoka this year for a big uh, it's not announced yet but for a big festival big concert that's going to be i can tell you more about later that's uh it's going to be a big homecoming for me and it's going to be really fun so
0: dude uh, yeah. oh my gosh that is awesome yeah I'm pretty excited. cool i don't even know anything about it. i'm excited about yeah. it. that's fantastic you're invited i'll be there <laughs> i I'll, love it dude i'm in lock it in um that is awesome I, dude that is so cool so you've done you've done all this stuff and then i mean i don't, let's, let's 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 finish We'll never finish the story, but like, (laughs) so from there you're doing that. Yeah. And then like, uh, let's see what's, where's the music at now? Where did, where, where did it go? Well, so then, and then it's a good, that's a good question.
1: I appreciate you asking the, the, the farm happened, right. And we had, um, two singles on the radio did really well. Um, and then just like bands do, they break up. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for us, we broke up pretty soon. And, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, but, um, and, uh, when that broke up, it really, it hurt me a lot. I had put a lot, my whole life into that thing, and, and I was pretty burnt out. And it was that was right around the time that the TV show thing started happening. Okay. And that's a whole other story how the hell I got into that. But to finish on the music thing, and we can go back to that if you want, but I just, I was burnt out. I'd been playing music on the road, chasing my dream for my entire adult life, ever since I ran away from home. And I was tired. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I needed a break. So the TV show thing came at a perfect time. And, you know, I had a lot of success with that and now done that. And I finally, this January, will be releasing a brand new solo album. No So, way. so I've got my first true solo album, which is what I moved to town to do. I, I never wanted to join a band. Like, you know, right. to, to make a group. But that's just the way it went. And it, I'm glad it did. But I finally got a brand new solo album out that it's actually been almost done for almost two years. But I've held it all through COVID because I want to tour. I want to go out there and play live shows, and live shows are just now starting to get going again, you know. So right. I've held out until I can go play live shows and well. Yeah. So I'm excited, dude. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fun, dude. I'm excited for you. It's fun. This is exciting, like fiddle player frontman stuff. You know, modern day Charlie Daniels. That's me, dude. You know? But
0: like, okay, so uh, I was trying to be a good. uh, Well, I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with your stuff. I'm like, okay, I better brush up on my nick before we yeah. before we chat. And I'm, like, you know, Googling some videos, and I'm seeing you playing with Chesney and, you know, these other heavy hitters yeah, and stuff like that. There's no solo like stuff that. out there. Very, very little. But there's also, like, a lot of guitar stuff, man. Yeah. Like, you're not just a fiddle player.
1: With Chesney, I played a lot of guitar. Yeah. Because as his music changed, he, he, you know, there was less fiddle and more guitar. And I had to get off the pot when it came to to playing guitar. Like, I was, they were either going to need to hire another guitar player or I was going to need to get better. And so I, I just worked really hard on my guitar playing you know and i'm not a great guitar player but you know it was that that pushed me over the edge and made me a better guitar player we and I love it.
0: You could have fooled me. What was that transition? Like, was that like, uh, like, oh, this is like, uh, but you just turn it this way? No, or... I've always
1: played. You know, yeah. like, I got a, I got my first guitar when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. So I've always kind of played guitar. Yeah. And in my bluegrass band, actually, when I that I told you about that kid's bluegrass band, mm-hmm. I didn't play hardly any fiddle. I played all guitar and sang.
0: Oh, no kidding. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yep.
1: So it was, uh, you know, so I played a lot of guitar. But the electric guitar thing came later. Okay. And I love that. Let me tell you, man, there's nothing better than playing rock guitar <laughs> in
0: a stadium full of people. <laughs> Zero things with screaming chicks, you know, uh, nothing, nothing better. That is awesome, man. Yeah. That's super cool. So you mentioned the TV show thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you grow up, you have this innate, you know, essentially like passion for hunting. Yeah. Come a hunter. You're mm-hmm. hunting, doing cool stuff. Yeah. When, when does like, oh yeah, let's have a, a hunting TV show come about. <laughs>
1: it Didn't happen just like that. I'll tell you. It's, uh, The long story short is that through music, I started meeting these quote unquote hunting celebrities at concerts or connected to concerts. And I'll, I'll I'll keep the long, there's more details, but through music, I met Lee and Tiffany Likoski Mm -hmm. when, when they were in their very first season of getting close, getting close, which was, you know, the show they had before the crush. Mm -hmm. And I met them at a concert basically. And, they invited me to come and be a guest on their show. And I'd never hunted turkeys before. So they invited me to their farm in Iowa to on my first turkey hunt. And that was part of an episode in season two of Getting Close. And this is when they're they're not even, you know, big, huge Lee and Tiff then. You know, they're just getting going now. Yep. I mean getting going then. And we got to be fast friends. They're Minnesotans. And so I, I met their producer, Mark Baird. A lot of was, the good deer you,
0: shows come out of Minnesota, yeah, like Minnesota yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's interesting. True,
1: yeah, Driven, those guys, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And so I met Mark Baird, their producer, who's a legendary outdoor producer, you know, and uh, he, he and I became friends. And then I started meeting other people, Don and Candy Kiske, Pat Nicole, Michael Waddell. I started meeting all these different people that were in the industry backstage at shows. And I was the only hunter out there on the road in our crew, so, like, I immediately, you know, they're they like me because I'm a musician and I like them because they're famous hunters. You know what I mean? So right. we got to be friends. Which you and think,
0: like, I think, like, country music. I'm like, oh, yeah, everybody hunts. No, no,
1: no. Especially, you know, not in the creative music side of things. You know what I mean? You'd be surprised. So I was like a like a unicorn out there in a lot of in a <laughs> lot of ways. So anyway, I meet these guys. And I start go, going to be guests on their show. I I was a guest early on in Whitetail Freaks with Don and Kenny and Kisky. I, Phil Phillips was another guy. I started getting to pop around in all these shows. And it was super fun for me because it's like, you know, dream come true. Yeah. I've been watching hunting videos my whole life. Now mm-hmm. I'm like, getting to do that. So I get to know these people. I start going to ATA and SHOT Show, not because I'm trying to get into the industry, but because it's like a family reunion. It's like vacation for me. I'm drinking and hanging out with my friends, you know? And so fast forward maybe 10 years and I'm hanging out at a, at the ATA show, which is a trade show for archery, the archery industry. And I'm hanging out with Mark Barrett, the producer. And mm-hmm. we're, we're drinking beer and bitching about outdoor TV. You know, we're saying, ah, this stuff sucks. And the uh, whisper, 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 point, shoot. There's no entertainment value. We're just, and he, and he looks at me and goes, all right, smarty pants. <laughs> if you think, you know, if you think, you know, you got it all figured out, what would you do? I So I can tell you, I don't know, and I'm a musician. I don't know what, I'd, what I, I ain't got it figured out. But if I had a show. What I do is I do like an Anthony Bourdain style hunting show because I love Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's my hero. And it's like, I would just love to travel around. And I think hunting's about so much more than killing. I just kind of went off on it. And he looks at me and goes, That's a pretty good idea, actually. And I said, Yeah, you know, we should produce that show. Not for me. Like, we, I, I'd like to be an executive producer. We'll develop it and then we'll sell it to the network. We had, you know, we'd solved all the world's problems over some beer. Oh, naturally, thing. yeah. And, uh, and so we did. We filmed a pilot, I was in the pilot. And we had this idea uh, about the Nick's Wild Ride thing. And then we also had like this idea for this Anthony. So it, it all kind of meshed together. We made this pilot. And the idea was that it, we'd pitch it. And if they liked it, we'd, we'd find another host. We'd find somebody. Yeah. And, and I pitched it to the network. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, we really like this. And we think it's really cool. But you need to be the host. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I don't have time for that. That's the same. And, and nobody that, got time for that, that. And that was right when my band broke up. Right around that time. And I said, actually, I do have the time for this. So I said, I'll tell you what. Let's do one season and see how it goes. And so we did the first season of Next Wild Ride, and it was one of the best rated new shows that they'd ever had on the Outdoor Channel, and it just went from there. So, like, all of a sudden now, I'm into it. It's successful. It's getting great ratings, and now, you know, and I'm having a blast on top of that. Like, it's not like it was a burden. Right. You know, so then – By the time we did the second season, it was like now we'd taken it to more international stuff, and it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we're filming the seventh season. It's unbelievable. I mean, I had a laughed in your face and bet everything I owned against. Seven years ago, if you said you'll be seven years into a TV show that's, you know, right after Meat Eater on on Outdoor Channel, I had a laughed in your face. Right. I would have never seen that coming. And I think that's part of why it works, too, is because it really is authentic. If you see me laughing and smiling on there, it's so real. because it's just I'm just this thing could could end at any point and I'm just enjoying every minute of it I'm soaking it in I'm checking off my bucket list I mean think about it almost seven episodes I mean sorry we've done six full seasons ten to twelve episodes per season that's 70 plus adventures I've been on over the last six years all over the world I mean when you look at it like that that's that's a lot of hunting and a lot of adventure and a lot of cool stuff and Man, when I scan through my phone, it's like I've just got a lifetime's worth of memories in six years. And oh. I'm just, it's like I'm just, I still pinch myself. Is this real?
0: I was going to say, that's got to be like nearly like unbelievable. Even like, like, do you it st- does. take a step back right now and you're going to go, like, really? Like,
1: I just got goosebumps talking about it. It literally still, if you, like I said, if you see me wide eyed and smiling on, on camera, it's because it's, I'm just still just like, what? Because I'm a fiddle player. I'm a singer. I've always hunted Mm -hmm. and I study it and I love it. But I just that wasn't what I saw for my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't see that coming.
0: I mean that's one of those things like I can't believe I'm doing this right now. When is somebody
1: gonna figure out that I'm not (laughs) supposed to be the guy doing this? You know? But you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. And I kind of resisted that that for a little while, but hunting is as big a part of me. Who I am and always has been, so it, it, as music is. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is that I didn't choose to make my living doing that. Now I am making my living, part of my living, doing that. But it's always it's it's authentic because it is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know. And don't let the spiky hair fool you fool you. <laughs> you know, I'm a redneck son of a bitch. You know what I mean? I grew up in the middle of farm country in rural Minnesota, and <laughs> Rednecks don't just come from south from from the south. You know what I mean. <laughs> we might have oh yeah, you betcha up here, but we're red as they come. You know what I mean. So I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud of my raising. I'm proud of who I am. I, I and and you know I just at some point I just had to just embrace the fact that yeah I'm also I'm also a guy who hunts on TV mm-hmm. and that's cool. You
0: yeah, know? You and know, when
1: that's all over, I'll still be doing the same thing. Right. I'll still be hunting. I'll still be taking adventures. I'll still be TV show or not. You know, and I just love sharing it with people, and I love showing my. I think my favorite compliment that we get for the show is when I get somebody, especially women, a lot that'll that'll call and say, you know, I mean, they'll they'll write and say, uh, you know, I, I hate watching hunting shows. I hate the, but I sit down every Monday and watch your show with my husband mm-hmm. because it's you, you know it's about more than hunting, and to me that's the best compliment you can give me.
0: You know, I mean, it's it's a great show with just a fresh. Like I don't know, it's like it's just fresh and vibrant, like it's it, yeah, is it a hunting show, yeah, right it, but it's a it's a hunting show, it's a show about adventure, it's a show about travel, it's a show about culture, yep. it's a show about that local burger joint, it's a lo- show about uh a cool whatever like just like whatever makes that place tick, like you find it, yeah, and those th- that's where the gold is
1: well i I feel the same way, and I feel like that's the gold in any trip. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just me finding the gold. I think that is the pearl Mm -hmm. and, and it's on any trip. Like we talked about the hunting's the period at the end, the kill's the period at the end. And Mm -hmm. that's how I feel. And I love it. And I'm proud of it. You know, I, I, when I look back at it now, after six years of, of a body of work, I, I look at what, what we've done and I have a great team behind me too. You know, it's like what we've done there. I'm proud of it. I think we've done a cool body of work, you know, And, and it's a great chapter in my life and, I've met some amazing people, and mm-hmm. I've had incredible times. And I'm just—I don't know—it's actually kind of fun to talk about it because I'm, I'm usually sitting here and grinding so hard that I never get to sit and think about it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of fun to to look back at it all. And and I'm not anywhere near done yet. Uh, we got another season coming, and you know, who knows who knows how long
0: it'll go. But it doesn't matter. I'm having a blast. Just on this crazy wild, wild ride. ride, quite literally. This wild ride called life. <laughs> Amen. Um, I love it. No, that's that's super cool, and it, it it really is. It's such a good show, and I'm I remember, you know, we're you know have we work with, in my opinion, like the best outdoor TV shows out there. Like the people we work with, you know, they're who we want to work with because because of the content they make, because of because of who they are as people. And I remember, you know, we're having an internal discussion. And it was like, well, is there anybody else? Like, if you, if like, and really, your show was like, you know, Sawyer and I were talking about that, and I'm like, there's one show that we don't have, that I think is literally like, on brand, fits vortex, unique, outside the box, and it was your show. Oh, that's cool, dude, hundred percent. Like, and we then we this ended discussion. up, and
1: then we ended up connecting. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. that's awesome. So that makes me feel feel great, you know, and that's. That is a, a great compliment too, because you know, and I, I don't know if I've ever actually publicly talked about this because it really doesn't matter. But early on, because hunting shows were always a certain way,
0: but dude, you know, I mean, like, there is a what, standard formula. Yeah,
1: and and, and and it's
0: hard not to follow into it. Actually, it, oh, there's
1: no doubt. Trust me, after it is hard not to follow out of, into it because there's a reason it's done like that, right? Because you know? that's the easy way to film a hunting show, and it's also it works. And it's worked for so many, but I, I, I really wanted to do something different than that, right? But early on, the industry really, there was a, you either loved what I was doing or you hated what I was doing.
0: I was and instantly there, drawn and to there, and, there
1: was, and there was a lot of industry people that gave me and gave sponsors of my show a lot of because they'd say, that's not a hunting show. But if if they you, threatened If, by if it? you say it's not a hunting show, you've never watched an episode because there's just as much hunting as anything in there and it's why we're there. I mean, it's a hunting show. It just has other elements and I don't know if they're threatened by it or if they, it was just so different that, that they, you know, because at the time, especially it was just Ranella was doing the thing he's doing and Mm -hmm. then what we were doing and what Ranella and I do are very different too. It's, there's lots of elements that are the same, but you know, he's a totally different personality than I am. Right. and, people were threatened by mediator too when that stuff came out you Mm -hmm. know it was it's just different and anytime you do something different people but i i I was always offended by the people that said it wasn't a hunting show you know what i mean because it is i mean that's what it's a a hunting show plus yeah and that's what i and that's what i do and that always offended me so to hear people like you guys say that early on you saw it and you liked it makes me feel good you know because
0: no i remember like seeing and i was like damn that's good you know like i mean and that's from the start you've been doing it a long time i do want to so like you know you're talking about like oh when i started out you know with uh with chesney those guys you're like oh man i wasn't which i'm sure you were actually great um we're all our own worst critic i'm sure you're fantastic but um but you're like oh now i'm like like you said we talked about it, like you've honed your craft yeah has the show like do you look back at early episodes oh, and God, you're just I, can, like, I can hardly watch them
1: yeah and it's it's everything from my narration you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm narrating a show, and the tone and the cadence of my narration has has changed and morphed over every season. And I look uh-huh. back, the videography's gotten way better, the production has gotten gotten better as as it does. You figure it's not, out it's normal. a formula. You figure out what works and you grow. If you're not growing, you're dying, right? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I do look back at those early episodes and I think, God, I'm 20 pounds heavier now than i was then first off and second uh you know i'm uh i'm uh too much beer It's all that. It's, beer, it's all that yeah, it's, yeah, it's good eating few... good eating too much beer you know but but just like i said it's an evolution and my favorite thing about it honestly and this sounds so cheesy but it's so true i've got this cool journal mm-hmm. of my of my hunting career over the last six years that will not only be there for me to watch, but it'll be there for my daughter to see and and her kids. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, look, grandpa was used to be pretty cool. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, You know, I think, I think that that's a big, a big bonus too. And I know, I think the other side of it too, is that I know from letters that, uh, that I've gotten that we've also converted some people and changed people's views of what hunting is, you know? And, and I know that we've, we've taught, you know, inspired other people to start hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're, we're lucky too, cause we're not just on outdoor channel too. You know, we've reruns that go on, on Fox and Valley sports and stuff. So we hit different sets of eyeballs too. And I'm really lucky to be able to have a, have a show that, that can be palatable for non hunters too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because not everybody's going to be a hunter, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's important to make sure that if you're not a hunter, that you're not against hunting right and i i think that i try really hard i'm really careful about how i post on instagram what i post on instagram to make sure that hunters uh, look respectfully the animals they kill that you know i don't post pictures with tongues hanging out and blood all over the place and and i do that intentionally and i know that's a hot button issue for a lot of people you know they go oh you know we are who we are and you shouldn't should, have to
0: hide shouldn't that shouldn't have to hide
1: it it's not about hiding it you don't have to glorify it either though. that's right it's not about hiding it no it's, it's who i am i really man if I shoot an animal, the killing isn't the part I like. I got to be honest with you. I don't like taking lives. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I I don't like that part of it. What I like is everything that leads up to it and everything that happens after it. But I do have a moment of remorse every single time I kill something, and it's not regret. That's mm-hmm. remorse and regret are two totally different mm-hmm. things. But I have a moment of reverence. And respect for the life I just took, mm-hmm. and and that, and you know, some people might call that cheesy or roll their eyes, but that's true. It's a spiritual thing for me. It is, and I, I have a, a prayerful moment in my own way with mm-hmm. every animal I shoot. Yeah, you know? ab-
0: absolutely. No, I think I mean that's definitely a, a great way to put it. I mean, it's a moment where it's necessary. Like, it's not. I have tons of like you know, times, or any hunter, right? You go hunting, you don't get one every time. In yeah. fact, you rarely get one, Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, at least me. But, um, and it, so I didn't have to kill something to have gone hunting, yep. right? But it is definitely, is a completion of the process. Sure. And something to be very grateful for when it does happen.
1: Uh, and, you know, here's the other thing that I've learned, too, is that I never would have expected, you know, have, would have come from this TV show thing because of the the trips I've gotten to do around the world. We're so lucky here. The rest of the world does not have the access, the public ground, all the things that we have here. They just don't have it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not there. It's not just kind of not. It just is non-existent in most of Europe. Yeah, those like, opportunities, like... They just don't. We can, uh, you, the idea that we can just go, uh, I'll give you a great example. I'm planning a trip in Germany right now. I'm having to send my criminal record to get a license which is lengthy oh yeah which is very lengthy <laughs> you know what i mean let's not even get into that so uh and and it's that'll like, be a different podcast yeah that's a whole another podcast outdoor criminals <laughs> this episode nick hoffman so but i mean if they make it so prohibitive and so difficult everywhere but the united states and talk about being grateful. Mm -hmm. The more I go do that, the more grateful I am for what we have, the opportunities, and of course, getting back to that, to the animals. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just, even the amount of game we have here, everything, we are so lucky and everybody, I can promise you, all the people that are headed out, most of the people headed out on, you know, opening weekend here in Wisconsin, they don't think about any of that stuff. This is a right. Right. This is something that they're, God-given right as far as they're they're concerned, but it's not. You know what I mean? If we don't protect it, Mm -hmm. if we don't, respect it and we're not grateful for it, it it could quickly be taken away from us and and i've you can see it all you gotta do is go to europe to see that mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah that's an it's cool that you've gotten to get those different you know international perspectives mm-hmm. right because it's not like here yeah everywhere else It's exactly and, and we right. have it pretty damn good
1: that's an understatement it really is, and the more you know the more you go and you hunt, you see the red tape that you have to do just to get the opportunity to hunt and how much money it costs. I mean these hunts are expensive, right, you know, and you just appreciate what you have so much here. I mean, anybody with a little bit of hard work and some luck can go out and shoot a big buck in the United States and it, pretty much every year if they want it's if they put thing. enough time in it's a beautiful thing, and then it's odd ad and it's elk and antelope and. Moose and all these other deer species and all this stuff, hogs down in the south and all this stuff, it's just here for the taking, and none of that exists anywhere else. Even if you go to Africa, that's all private ground. you got to pay to play. There's no public ground to go hunt on. Zero. Right. Literally zero. It's crazy to think about because we take it for granted.
0: Oh, you know? dude, and and me included, right? Yeah. You know, because you just don't think, because you just you don't, if you don't know mm-hmm. any different, you don't know any different. Like, oh, it's just the way yeah. it is, right? It's and like, well, and that's not me preaching. It's right. just me. It's it just is what it is. That's a fact, you know. And
1: I love it. I I do. I, and that's again, it goes back to that gratitude thing. Every time the killing is not the fun part for me. Mm-hmm. It's just it's I like pulling the trigger. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. It's the taking of a life that. I'm not against it. I just have a moment every time. Right. I don't cry. I don't sit there and belly ache. I just, I, I put my hand on it and I, I sit there with it and I, I think about it. Yeah. I take a second to, to appreciate the moment. And that's what I do anyway. I'm not going to tell anybody else what they should do, but yeah. that's how that's how I am. And I mean, I think that's part of it, though. For me, uh, it's it's it shouldn't just be all fist pumping. Right. You know, it's it's too ancient. Now I'm getting really heady, but it's it's a spiritual, religious experience that is connected to who we are as human beings. Hundred percent. You know, look at look at me. I was I was a kid that was raised in a family of non hunters, but for whatever reason, I always want to hunt. I think that's because some of us are wired to be hunters, and some people are wired to be gatherers. And my family was a family full of gatherers, and they bred a hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And I, I believe that I do.
0: I mean, and it, I mean, I, I think that's true too. And it's, it's interesting. You can just tell that like some people, they just, they, they just like, they have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just like, do you just have this like innate? No, this is like what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know? And
1: I think it skips a generation too, because I have a 12 year old daughter now and I just don't think she's got it in her. I think that we're back to breeding gatherers in my family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause, because, because I, I just don't think it's in her. I don't, and if if one day she she tells me, "Hey, Daddy, I want to go hunting," great, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push her to do that because, you know, maybe 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 not, doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. I would love it if she did. That'd be mean so much to me, but. I just don't think she's wired for it. Yeah. And that's fine. And she may not
0: be. Nope, you, know, you know. I've got I've got two girls. I think one might be into it. I think one might very well not be into it. Yep. You know, time time will tell. They're 6 and 7 right now, you yep. know, but we're kind of we've done some fishing together. Yeah. And the, and they both enjoy that, but you know one maybe a little bit more than the other, you yeah. know. And so it's uh it's interesting to watch, but you do I've, you know, hunted with some like new adult hunters, but you see in them because they actually did have that spark but yeah. like you know it's not the easiest thing to get into like on your own be like oh i'm just going to go sure hunting. um you know there's definitely a lot to it whether it's gear or where to go or how to it's do overwhelming. it or how to you know process an animal in the field or heck these things are big if i go by myself how do i get it out i mean there's like there's like yeah. you said there's there's a lot of a lot to it but when i've seen these people go and it's almost like oh my gosh not that I've wasted my life, but, like, I can't believe I've been missing out on this for so long. Oh, yeah. And then they're almost, like, trying to make up yeah. make up ground. You Absolutely. Know? And, and I
1: just, I love it. If you find somebody like that, that, there's almost no better experience. You know, I'm getting to the point where I'm not as mad at deer as I used to be. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> I, just assume, I just assume take somebody out on their first hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get me wrong. I love to go out and kill a big buck. But I just, I'm at the point where I would rather take somebody else out. I'd rather mm-hmm. take a kid. I mean, you know, if, if I had to choose between me shooting a deer and you shooting a deer, I'd rather go watch you shoot a deer. Um, I, and you're uh, just the guy I want
0: to go. Hunting <laughs> with
1: Nick. I just, I just love it. You know what I mean? I love watching other people. But that might be the product of 70 plus hunts over the last couple of years too. Like I think that's part of it too. There's been a lot of blood spilled. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and well, and you- so I'm, I've 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 had my fix. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I went a year and didn't do it. I bet you I wouldn't i oh. I wouldn't say that again but you know I love taking other people out i love I love showing them what
0: it's all about yeah and I think I, do. Th- I mean that's definitely part of it like you you kind of reach a point which I'm not like I'm not fully there yet, but like I mean like I still love to hunt and I want to hunt hard you know I'm just yeah. I'm just coming off of uh, I took a little uh, rutcation here in Wisconsin hunted seven days straight and man I would have hunted uh, I I had one more day off that I took to hunt. Then I had to work Friday, so I uh, you know I would have hunted that Thursday and I would have hunted Saturday and yeah, Sunday. Right, right, like right. I would have done it. I was gonna go, mm-hmm. but I was sure as heck number one grateful and yeah. just super stoked. Like I got a buck, you know that that Wednesday, and you know part of those reasons is like. Number one, but, you know, hunted seven days straight. Like, yeah. It was awesome. Like, worked hard. Finished that sentence. Yeah. Like, it was like it all finally came together in, like, one super cool, amazing moment. And also, I got to, you know, uh, wake up the next morning and get my kids off to school. Right. 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 And so, it's like trying to find that balance, too. Like, hunting is a very, it's time intensive. Oh, yeah. And it can pull away from other things in your life that you want to dedicate time to. No, you no. Know, and, that, and that's
1: honestly been the downside to, to, to what I do. So, you know, everybody, oh, man, you got the life, right? You know, I, if I had a dime for every time I've heard that. And the truth is I do. There's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's no doubt about it, but you know, it doesn't come without its costs. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been married and divorced once and in a big part of my divorce was, uh, honestly, you know, my, my lifestyle. I'm gone so much. That's mm-hmm. hard for that's hard for anybody, you know, and uh and then this TV show it really it you know, when you're on the road playing music, you're gone and you play music at night, but you have like a lot of time during the day. You can call people, you stay kind of in touch with people. Now with FaceTime, you can really mm-hmm. you know, you can really stay in touch with people. But when you're off hunting, you kind of fall off face of the earth, right? Yeah. especially when you're off filming hunts and doing all that stuff. And filming the kind of showy, it's not, the filming doesn't stop when we, when we get out of the stand, you know? So it's constant. It takes, it takes a lot and it's hard on your marriage. It's hard on my marriage. It's hard on my, my daughter. It's hard on me physically, mentally, everything. And it doesn't come without its costs. You know what I mean. And that being said, I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely challenging to navigate. No doubt. Yep. But you know what?
1: So is everything you know every job you do whether you're roofing or yeah. you're or you're you know the host of Nick's Wild ride you're there's pluses and minuses to everything and i just look at it like that take it for what it is cuz it might be gone tomorrow yep. you know what i mean so i might might uh break a leg or cut my trigger finger off <laughs> and you know then then i'm done you know what i mean <laughs> you never know so you just got to live live for today
0: Gosh, we're like at 121 now. So many questions. You're, you're too interesting. <laughs> we can do it another Damn time. It. Part
1: two, another time.
0: I do. Okay, maybe we won't get too deep. I do. I would love to know where you fit in time to become a pilot in all this, and where that passion, because that's another thing, big thing to take on.
1: Uh, so that's a. It's a pretty easy, easy question, easy story. My, my dad is a lifelong aviation nut. Okay. And but he didn't. He didn't learn to fly till after I did but he loved aviation and he always, and we built remote control airplanes growing up. So that was kind of our thing we did together. And every year we went to Oshkosh, Wisconsin for the big air show, you know, uh, which is the world's biggest air show. And we would camp for a week and, and spend time out there. So I was always obsessed with with aviation and airplanes. And sometime around the time that I was 18 or so, 17, 18, after I kind of got my feet underneath me and Branson and stuff, I started to learn to fly. And I did that. I was playing bands Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I would work at the airport and I would barter my time pumping gas and scheduling lessons for flight lessons. Okay. So, um, cause the only way I could have afforded it. So, And uh, I learned, I got my private when I was like 18. No
0: way. Yeah. So early on, I figured this was like a later in life thing. Like, oh, I'm established, I got some
1: coin. And and the other side of it was it, I I started thinking about, and this is my dad speaking to me, you know, in my head, okay, you need a backup. What are you going to do if your music doesn't work out for you? Well, of course, I couldn't think of anything that I wanted to do more than be a pilot as a career. So that is, really was the impetus for me starting that was it was the beginning, the bud planted, the seed planted of a possible career for me if music didn't work out. So the idea was I was going to keep flying mm-hmm. and keep working on my ratings and keep building up my hours on the side as I was trying to get my music career started and as like a parallel, parallel track. So even after I moved to Nashville, I kept flying, I kept bartering for, you know, and then things took off. And, and then several years went by before I, I – I, I would go out and fly with friends every once in a while, but I wasn't current, as they say, you know, where I was flying current and, and flying a lot enough to fly on my own. And that didn't come back until seven or six or seven years ago, five five or six years ago, really heavy. And then I started flying again, and then I bought a little airplane. And, and you know, but it I always was passionate about it. But it wasn't until just recently, five, six years ago, that I dove back in. So – and my dream – with aviation, my total bucket list dream is to, and I, is to fly myself into the. I'm obsessed with backcountry flying. And I, okay. And since the first time I went into Alaska, that was actually what got me back into flying. Was I flew in a Super Cub my first time in Alaska like seven years ago, and I was like, "Why the hell am I not doing this?" I was. Gonna this ask- is the greatest damn thing on the planet. I want to be flying backcountry Alaska kind of stuff, and I re- and I, I was into that kind of thing even when I was younger. I always thought it was really cool. But the first time I really did it, and we landed on a gravel bar in the middle. Just like life gosh. changed, you know what I mean. So I w- immediately went home, started taking flying lessons to get b- get back up to speed, and then started flying again. So now I have a plane that I can do backcountry stuff with, and my goal is to fly myself into the backcountry, hunt maybe an elk, uh, maybe a you know backcountry mule deer, or maybe even go up to Alaska and do a sheep hunt or something like that solo fly myself in hunt, pack it up, fly myself out. That is my all time dream. Like for hunting goal and aviation goal and everything all combined.
0: You, you literally like went right into my next question. If you've ever (laughs) thought about, or if you've flown yourself in, uh...
1: I, that's what I dream about. Like, so literally it's, it's added such another layer to it because that is my daydream right now. Like I think about it every day, all day. I'm right now reading the the mountain flying handbook. It's a it's a bible about this thick, and it's it's uh it's I'm just I'm studying, I'm learning. That's I'm, good. Uh, yeah, this spring. Cause that's a, no joke, man. Like, no, I mean, no. there's
0: like really, really good. I mean, they're just really good pilots Super, that do that stuff for a really that's ex- long time. That's exactly right. It's and, not
1: something to take lightly, and so I'm. It, it's going to take me a couple of years to get to a point where I feel like. I can go into like a backcountry strip right now, like something that's an actual runway. Yeah. But to be able to set yourself down on a, you know, a make your own runway kind of thing—that's a whole another mm-hmm. another level of awesomeness
0: that I'm not there yet. That's, you know, both my uh, my dad and my brother are uh, commercial pilots. Oh really? I didn't know that. So yeah, I didn't get that gene. I get lost easy. So <laughs> my, my wife jokes, she's like, Oh my gosh, if you'd become a pilot, you'd have been like the next million. You era. got
1: GPSs nowadays, man. You just push the button.
0: Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I work like, yeah, the GPS is definitely my friend. Like it'd be like every time I took off, it'd be like another, it'd be like another whole season of manifest. Like, Oh, well, we lost the plane again. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> no, who took off. I, don't I know, love yeah.
1: it. Um, I love it. I almost flew up here. Honestly, if I would, if I didn't have to bring my side by side with me, Oh, to go right. rednecking around on opening weekend, I would have flown up here.
0: Yeah, shoot, you can't hunt white tails without well, side by side. I think that's in the rules, right? Well, I can get myself there, can I? <laughs> what plane? What plane do you have?
1: I have a. It's a, called a Glass Air Sportsman. Okay. So it's a technically a home built plane. Okay. Um, that's uh, which a lot of backcountry planes are. It's considered a home built, but it was built in the factory, and it's a um, really lightweight, really powerful, short takeoff and landing. Kind of plane. Super cool. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. How many seats in it? It's technically got four, oh, but, but the okay. two in the two in the front, it's really a two-passenger plane for and, and built for a load of gear in the back. Okay. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So, yeah. You could fit elk antlers back there and, and a bunch of meat and fly out.
0: Just so you I just want you to know that I made a note that it does have at least two seats, Nick. So, <laughs> um, you want to come with me, i I'm not going to say that I'm inviting myself, but I'm inviting myself. You are invited. Um, Love it cool man dude i love it i feel like i feel like we left a few things on the table which is amazing because we've been talking for you know almost an hour and a half right now oh my god we have haven't we but the um, screen is red that's how the it does that it does that (laughs) uh it does not start out that color uh but i tell you what man the good ones the good fun conversations they go like this they go quick and man i had a ton of fun we appreciate you swinging by to visit with us uh today and uh you know Welcome to the great state of Wisconsin. God, I love it. Have a have an awesome gun season. Man. I appreciate.
1: it. And you know, gosh, this place is amazing. By the way, like if you've never, for all you guys listening, if you've never been to the Vortex headquarters, if you're coming through Wisconsin, you got to stop here. I mean, this place is awesome. Well, I mean, it's just it's next level cool.
0: We we appreciate that, Nick, and but Nick is right. Please do. <laughs> if you are passing through, please stop by, yep. pay us a visit, say hi. If you want to look at some optics, we can show them to you. If you got questions about anything, we can probably answer your questions or at least point you in the right direction. Yeah, just so. don't
1: ask for Mark. Mark's like, uh another
0: fan. Ugh. Uh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. To all you seven listeners out there, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, Speaking of which, where's Jim? He's down that vortex edge again. He's always edging around down there. I texted him. A jerk. He jerk. He wanted to be here. Yeah, right.
1: He's like, I don't care about that, dude. You know what I mean? Jim, if he you're listening. He you're, wouldn't
0: do that to me. You're a jerk. He wouldn't if do you're... that to me or you. Okay? <laughs> He's a jerk. <laughs>
1: Just kidding, Jim.
0: But uh, no, man. Thanks, uh, like I said, can't thank you enough. It was super fun. Thank so. you, man. I appreciate it. All right. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If uh, you probably are familiar with Nick, so uh, if but if you aren't, check him out. He's all over the interweb, awesome music, apparently an album coming out, mm-hmm. Nick's Wild Ride. Oh, I will say, yeah, like you mentioned, so you can find it on.
1: It's all at Nick's Wild Ride on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, it's nickswildride.net on the, on the uh, interwebs.
0: And I will say, so you're talking about, you know, it's on the outdoor networks. Mm-hmm. It's also on the Fox. So it's actually, I'm, I am I was closing this out, but I'm mm-hmm. going to add one more thing, Nick, because I, I don't know if you know this. But when you go to your hotel, if you travel and mm-hmm. you're staying in a hotel on the cable television, other than Ridiculousness, <laughs> which is always on, a great show. I watch, I watch a lot of Ridiculousness when I'm on the road. Yeah. Uh, big Rob Deerdick fan. I find Nick's Wild Ride. You and I have shared many a hotel. You don't know this. I love this. But we've shared many a hotel room together.
1: Yeah, unbeknownst to you, you to and you. You in your underwear and me and I Mick's didn't ask ride. you to, I, didn't, Jeez, I didn't ask you to paint a picture. That's really disturbing. I mean, it's an accurate picture, <laughs> but I did not ask you to paint
0: that picture. But anyway, <laughs> it's on. You can find it. It's yeah. everywhere. It's a great show. Check it out. There's Thank something you. for everybody. And uh, we're right at one thirty. Appreciate it. See you. Bye. Bye. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, or leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have a question or topic suggestion, let us know that as well via the Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or any of Vortex's social platforms. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear so we can provide the best information to help you with your hunting, shooting, and related activities, and ultimately enjoy them to their fullest potential. Thanks again for listening.